0: to the ICAEW Insights in Focus podcast. Hello and welcome to this special edition of ICAEW Insights in Focus with the Fabian Society on how to improve the machinery of government to deliver better public services and better value for the public money being spent. I'm Alison Ring, the Director of Public Sector and Taxation here at ICAEW. Joining me on our panel are John Tizard and David Walker, co authors of the Fabian Society pamphlet, Prizing the Public Pound. John is an advisor and commentator focusing on public policy, public services, and governance. He is a former county councillor and joint council leader and has extensive board experience in the public sector, in business, and in charity, social business, and arts organisations. David is an honorary member of the Chartered Institute of Public Finance and Accountancy and was Managing Director for Communications and Public Reporting at the Audit Commission before it was disbanded. He has co-authored books with Polly Toynbee, including The Lost Decade 2010-2020 and The Verdict, Did Labour Change Britain? We're also joined by Martin Wheatcroft, an advisor and author on public finances who works closely with the ICAW public sector team and helped write ICW's response to the pamphlet. He is the author of several of ICW's Better Government series publications, ICAW's Chart of the Week and the Simply UK Government Finances series of books. Also featuring in this podcast, although only by reference, is Rachel Reeves, the Labour Party's Shadow Chancellor, who has adopted one of the key recommendations from prizing the public pound, of which more later. So let's start by explaining why we are working with the Fabian Society. Founded in 1884, the Fabians are Britain's oldest political think tank and have been at the forefront of developing political ideas and public policy on the left for almost 140 years. The Fabians have a long tradition of innovation in public sector reform, generating ideas that have subsequently appeared in Labour Party manifestos or that have been implemented by Labour governments. ICAW was founded in 1880, some four years earlier than the Fabians, and we also have a long record of promoting the need for effective financial management, audit and assurance, financial reporting, and governance and ethics across the public sector to ensure that public money is spent wisely. We are keen to engage with policymakers across the political spectrum as well as with public servants to help drive improvements. So let's kick off the discussion by going to John and David and asking them to give us a short overview of the pamphlet and their diagnosis of some of the challenges facing both central and local government. David, to you first.
1: We've recently heard from two parliamentary committees about the performance of government during the Covid pandemic. Uh, A key phrase in the report is this. Accountability in a democracy depends upon elected decision-makers not just taking action, but examining, questioning and challenging it before making their decisions. We feel that link within government between knowledge about the potential of policy, examination of the effects of policy, is just not linked together. And what we tried to do in this pamphlet was make some proposals for better rewiring, if you like, of government. Now, in principle, there's a large appetite for that. We've recently heard the uh, new-ish cabinet secretary say the government's up for rewiring. Clearly, the pandemic's raised all sorts of issues about the uh, propriety, the effectiveness with which public money uh, is spent, so we feel it's a good time to be examining these questions, particularly around the audit in the widest sense of public money. And our pamphlet is addressed principally, but not entirely, to those in what you might call the centre-left of politics who might potentially form a government in future, among whom we feel the debate about audit, the debate about accountability and efficiency, hasn't really been as lively. Uh, as it should have been. And what we've tried to do, I mean, whether our specific proposals uh, are adequate is not really the question. We've tried to stimulate a debate on the centre-left around principally this point, which is, if there were to be another Labour government or a government that wanted to spend a lot more public money, it would have to make very sure that it had public assent. And a key, we feel, to that public assent is convincing the public that government has the means of assessing how effectively, efficiently, how equitably, how sustainably that money is spent. And that does require new machinery.
0: So... What do you sort of propose? I mean, we, we really feel that the trust in public finances is absolutely essential, I think, and that's what sort of comes across, I think, in the, in the pamphlet. But how would one practically go about having that audit of public money, do you think? John, what are your thoughts?
2: Well, clearly, there needs to be a political commitment to the importance and the significance of audit and assessing public expenditure and its impact. I think all too often politicians and indeed commentators in the media and elsewhere focus on inputs. We'll have or spend X billion pounds on this. We'll have 20,000 more police officers, whatever it may be, rather than what's going to be the impact. What's that going to mean for citizens and for effective governance? So what we are proposing is for the centre of government, the creation of a new unit, which we are suggesting sit both in the Treasury and the Cabinet Office, the Office for Spending Effectively. And it would have a responsibility for ensuring that all government departments, prior to determining policy and prior to committing expenditure, should assess the potential impact of that expenditure against what we're describing as five E's, effectiveness, efficiency, equity, equality, and environmental sustainability, and I think the focus has often been on effectiveness and efficiency, and it may not have been well implemented, but equity and equality, and in this, you know, with the climate emergency, with COP coming up in a few weeks' time, environmental sustainability is really important. And we're we suggesting that each government department should have a responsibility for assessing its own proposals, but not solely looking at its own departmental interest, but across government. Because often, one expenditure decision taken in Department A has a knock-on effect on expenditure, uh, on expenditure or policy in, in Department B or C. So there needs to be a holistic approach. The office would have ministerial accountability and would have the power to intervene should departments not be fulfilling their assessment rigorously and objectively. We think there's a particular role, and David referred to some of the samples that have occurred over the last two years during the pandemic, of questionable government contracting and procurement And what we're suggesting is that this office would also have the responsibility to ensuring that any contracting, particularly contracting of services through outsourcing, there was a demonstrable public interest for so doing and value for money. And we're also suggesting because most public expenditure in terms of services happens in localities and in places, we need to have a new focus on assessment and audit at the local level.
1: We're saying to your members, Alison, if I may say, be ambitious. Don't be confined by a specific balance sheet. There are all sorts of dynamic interrelationship between the balance sheet of a given public organisation and another. The audit function, widely defined, should be across that interrelationship, for example, between the NHS and local government. Uh, As you know, the government's got a a massive plan ahead of us to bring together the NHS and local government in new so-called integrated care systems. No thought as far as I'm aware, has yet been given to how that will be audited. And and yet we absolutely need to have people in there who understand the rules of accountancy but have an imagination that says, how well is this money being spent in the wide sense? Is it securing effective delivery of public services? And then making sure that knowledge is then fed back into subsequent decisions about the amount of expenditure.
0: So in effect, very simply, what we're saying or what you're saying in the pamphlet is... You've got this virtuous circle of public spending. We need to learn lessons from the uh, expenses or the expenditure that's already gone uh, before. We feed that back into the current policy making and the long term vision. And then we need to do that, though, across government. I mean, that's quite a challenge, isn't it? It
1: is. I mentioned the uh, speech which the Cabinet Secretary, Simon Case, uh, recently made where he uh, praised the creation by the present government of a new delivery unit to focus attention on how adequately policy delivered. What he didn't mention was precisely that feedback loop you've just mentioned, Alison, a way of securing knowledge about how effectively spending has been made in the past to ensure that spending now is improved. In the introduction to our pamphlet, Dame Meg Hillier, the chair of the Public Accounts Committee, used this fantastic phrase, we must make sure, she said, that good money doesn't follow bad. We can find out through the activities of auditors whether there is bad money, but it's a way of making sure that knowledge makes sure that, as as she says, good money doesn't then follow bad.
0: It's the positive value of audit in actually achieving that sort of link between the, as I say, the expenditure that's already gone and actually then the future policy and actually devising better policy. There are so many
2: examples of the National Audit Office undertaking really good audit reports and reviews of policies and service delivery. And then when you come to the conclusions, they remind you that they drew the same conclusion last last time. time, And there's been no learning and no implementation of that learning. And it's almost a joke across Whitehall that we, you know, we have an NA report, we get through the PAC, if it goes to the PAC, then we move on. And what we're saying is there has to be an absolute duty on departments at both senior civil service level, but also ministerial level, to take into account NAO reports and demonstrate that they have been followed through. Yeah. And, and the same,
0: not in, uh, not in sort of in substance, though, not in legal yeah, form as it were, to actually yeah, hold. Not just the treasury the visit, to account, the yeah. action.
2: And the yeah. same applying to local authorities, NHS trusts, police mm. and fire and rescue services, and the other local services at, at the local level as well. Now, you
1: may say that traditionally you know, auditors, it's not the responsibility of auditors to make sure their findings are implemented. And clearly, there's a big issue about who and how the findings of the audit function are translated into uh, policy improvement. And and that requires quite a lot of thought. But I suppose, again, I'd, I'd urge auditors not to be as historically defensive as a profession as they've been and you know to speak out more. I mean, we do have in the public sector, at least, a tradition of public interest reports. I would like to see, we would like to see that revived and auditors to have the courage, based upon their empirical findings, to say, this isn't right, it could be better. And to make that information, to, as it were, throw that information more actively into the public domain.
0: Unfortunately, we are seeing more and more of the public interest reports at the moment. Well, which, which may reflect
1: may, the kind yeah, of state yeah, of public finance.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Uh, Martin, can I bring you in here? You helped write ICAW's response to prizing the public pound. What are your thoughts about the proposals that John and David make?
3: In putting together the response on behalf of ICAW, it became clear that many of the pamphlets' themes echoed ICAW's existing work on the machinery of government, many of the same diagnoses about the challenges facing both central and local government. A key part of the pamphlet is its focus on audit as a tool for improving the effectiveness of financial management in the public sector. And this is not a typical topic for public policy debate. And so it was particularly refreshing to see. (laughs) Proposals such as the Office for Value for Money or Office for Spending Effectiveness are important as they seek to address weaknesses in the way that central government assesses and approves spending proposals before rather than after they are made. This is an area that governments around the world have struggled with, and and the internal audit aspects of the proposed body make it substantively different from budget offices, such as the Office for Management and Budget in the US Federal Government, for example.
0: You're listening to the ICAEW Insights in Focus podcast. And it's interesting, isn't it, Martin, that, that that proposal around the Office for Spending Effectiveness which I think was sort of relabelled as or rebadged as the Office for Value for Money by the Shadow Chancellor Rachel Reeves. I mean that was that was interesting that that was raised at the conference recently. And John and David, you must be very pleased that that's sort of been enthusiastically sort of taken up.
2: As David said, our pamphlet was very much aimed at the Labour Party and left of centre politics, and we are delighted that the Shadow Chancellor and Shadow Cabinet are now taking the importance of effective use of public resources much more seriously and lifting up the political trade. I think the Office for Value for Money has an important role to play. It has a particularly important role to play for Labour as it rebuilds public trust trust Mm. and regains public confidence in its ability to use public money effectively.
1: Putting it colourfully, we would love the Labour Party to embrace uh, the the auditor and celebrate her or or, or his work. Because historically, I fear the left in Britain has sort of thought of audit as a a right wing.
0: Compliance exercise. Indeed, or something that reduces
1: public expenditure rather than a means of providing a good case for public expenditure to increase.
0: Martin, I'm just going to come back to you now then. What do you think about the other idea about the place-based audit, looking across an area at all the services that are provided? Yes, I
3: I think that's a very powerful idea. And uh, uh, the idea of place-based audit as a tool to look across the wide range of public services being delivered in a particular area by central government departments, local authorities and other public bodies such as the NHS. From a citizen's perspective, it shouldn't matter how public services are delivered. But of course, in practice, we all know how disjointed government can be. And there's a real place for looking across all that. And I think that's a very powerful idea in, in the pamphlet. There is a word of caution, though. It's important to stress that auditors sometimes expected to do a bit too much of the heavy lifting. And, and we shouldn't lose sight of the importance of actual greater investment in financial management and financial reporting across government to make sure money is is being spent wisely in the first place. It's getting that interaction, um, as David was saying, between learning the lessons of audit, having auditors that will speak out and uh, be vocal, but also making sure that there is a real commitment amongst um, ministers, councillors, civil servants, public servants in local government to actually improve and to actually learn the lessons and make sure the money, public money, is going going far. And
1: perhaps also a fruitful, a more fruitful relationship between the auditor and the regulator. In the local government's case, there are uh, a plethora of regulators. (laughs) Indeed. Ofsted, and a better relationship between the audit function and the regulator of services would conduce mm-hmm. to more effective public services. And I say that, and I, let's you know, name the elephant in room, there was an attempt by the now defunct Audit Commission to bring together uh, audit and regulation in the assessment of the effectiveness of expenditure in place. And I'm You know, I have no compunction in saying there should be some revival of that function, not not to recreate the audit commission. Okay, that's history. But the functionality of the audit in the widest sense of place based spending is vital.
0: Well, what we need, which obviously has been proposed by uh, as a result of the Redmond Review recommendations from MHCLG in the consultation is obviously this system leader, which is proposed to be placed in Arga. It needs a system leader to bring all these different parties together who all have a really valid interest in what happens in public sector finances, you know, in local government, but they will have a different perspective. This is the challenge, I think. We all have a different view about what really matters. But as Martin says, it is absolutely vital. Audit is just one part of the puzzle. You need actual investment in the financial capability, particularly in local government, which has been decimated. So, you know, you, you, it's, it's it's just one part of the puzzle. I mean, we'd have to
1: admit, wouldn't we, that to use the technical term, local audit is a mess. There's the role of the public sector audit appointments Uh, There's the role of, uh, you mentioned, the Audit Reporting and Governance Authority. There's the role of the National Audit Office, which clearly does, in some sense, audit much of local expenditure. What the respective functionality of these bodies is is a bit of a mystery at the moment. And OK, ARGA isn't yet in existence, but whether a a body which is principally concerned with the audit of private companies should be doing public audit is a question.
0: That's, I think, I'm afraid, a question for another day. But I would absolutely be optimistic and hopeful that uh, the systems leader will bring all these parties together and actually for a positive outcome for for local government. So that's all we have time for for this episode. So my grateful thanks to our panel members, John Tizard, David Walker and Martin Wheatcroft. Thank you very, very much for listening. We hope you found this podcast interesting and useful. You can find more details on ICAW Insights, ICAW's public sector pages and the Fabian Society website. Links are available in the show notes to the podcast. This is Alison Ring from ICAEW saying goodbye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to hear more from ICAEW, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.